This is the What I Live For podcast for Thursday, February 27th, 2020. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the What I Live For podcast. And today I'm trying something different. Uh, this podcast, uh, this podcast was a some, was something I kind of wanted to do back in July. Um, after talking to one of the guests that's going to be on this episode, um, but I wanted to do something a little different and not just interview one person, but kind of have a discussion uh, type podcast with multiple people on it. So. Uh, this is what this project is. It's going to be something I'm going to do uh, monthly and have two to three people on and just have uh, have a conversation about just one topic. Uh, and this uh, this episode is about men and emotions. And I wanted to uh, bring on Jack and Ethan. Uh, you can find both of them on Instagram. You can find Jack on Instagram at jackattack9182. And you can find Ethan on, on it. You can find Ethan on Instagram at depressed, the number two, determined, uh, depressed to, to determined. Um, and I wanted to have both of them on because I've, uh, Jack, this episode came about cause I had a conversation with Jack on his episode back in July. Um, and we were talking about some heavy stuff about just men and emotions and body image and stuff like that. So I wanted to have a conversation with him, but I also wanted to have a conversation with Ethan because I've had these same, uh, conversations with both of them. Uh, off podcast. So I wanted to bring both of them on and have a conversation about just men and emotions and how they felt about it and just their experience with, you know, showing emotion as, as men. Um, so this is what this podcast is. Um, it's, it's something new and, um, I'm still kind of trying to figure out like all the wheels and stuff about it. So we'll see where it goes, but, uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, other than that, let's get right into it. So what's up guys? Not a lot. Just hanging out for Sunday morning. I need some breakfast. I'm hungry, so. Yeah, nothing here. Uh, super lazy day yesterday, so I can't have one today, even though I want to have another lazy day today. I spent all day editing five podcasts. Wow. That was, Productive. I, I tried to be, because I was like, I'm not going to sit here and not do anything. So. I literally had one of those, like, one of those, like, did absolutely nothing days yesterday. Like, it was amazing, but now I'm like, mm, I have to crunch two days worth of work into, like, today. They're nice when they happen, but then after you look through the hindsight, it's like, I could have done right. something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I brought both of y'all on um, because I had this idea. This idea actually came from Jack um, when I did your podcast back in July. Uh, we were talking about um, different topics, and I wanted to, I wanted to go more in depth with and and, and, and like more in detail with like a lot of stuff we were talking about. Um, uh, because on a pod, on like on most podcasts, I can't really talk about like one topic the whole time, and then like have you know a thorough conversation. And I figured uh, let's have multiple people on. This actually this actually came from Nikki too, because Nikki was like, well, "Why don't you just have multiple people on and y'all talk about one topic and you just go." And so that's where this came from. So um, I have no name for this. <laughs> it's just going to be kind of an inclusion to the podcast. But uh, um, you guys are the inaugural podcast for this. So <laughs> trendsetters. So, <laughs> so no, no pressure is what you're saying. None. Well, I figured like we were t- okay. So the, today's topic is about uh, men and emotions, and I figured that it would 
I've had conversations with Jack about this, and I've had a conversation about Ethan about this. So I was like, let's put the two of those together, and let's have a conversation about it. Let's talk about it. <laughs> let's talk about it. So I've actually never, I've never, and I did this on purpose because you know, we were planning this last week. I've never actually talked to Jack. Um, in fact, I don't, I, I don't follow Jack that closely. Well, I'm going to now. I wanted to stay as far away from Jack as I possibly could until this conversation, because uh-huh. one of the things that I want to practice is talking to people that I don't know at all, because that's weird. Yeah. It's really weird. So I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So I guess, I, yeah, I don't really have a, a game plan for this. I'm, I'm just kind of testing the wheels, but um, I guess we can start with just, um, like I usually start with childhood. Like how, how was childhood for you when it came to sharing your emotions? I guess I'll start with Jack. Um, since I was bullied a lot, you know, there was emotion there, but mm-hmm. it was kind of one of those things that if you show the emotion, you get bullied more. Yeah. So, you know, being a bigger kid, being a poor kid, you kind of hide those emotions so you don't get picked on more. Yeah. So from, from, from the start, you know, I guess I pretty much taught myself to hide my emotion because... I didn't want to be looked at or draw more attention to myself. Um, and then I didn't want to tell my parents because I didn't want them to feel like they needed to protect me. So, yeah. I mean, you just think from just those little things that really are insignificant as you get older. Hey, I mean, you pretty much self-teach yourself to, to hide those emotions because you don't want to show the hurt. You don't want to show the pain. Yeah. And then you start building on that and you carry it through life because you're never taught anything different. Um, so, I mean, just as a childhood perspective, that's pretty much where mine started. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, kids are cruel, but in the grand scheme of things, they don't, most of them don't mean anything by it. It's just, it's just part of life. So, yeah. you know, looking back, I'm, I'm friends with all those people. So, yeah. And what about you, Ethan? So to piggyback off of what Jack said, the whole kids are cruel thing, you know, being an adult now and knowing what I know now, looking back, it's usually the kids that were the, the rudest or the, the meanest that were feeling the most hurt inside. Yeah. Um, and that was definitely, you know, that was definitely my thing as well. I I bottled everything up because it's just, you know, it's it, especially when you're younger and you don't really understand what's going on with your emotions and in your mind, it's really uncomfortable to have those uncomfortable conversations. Um, and I mean, yeah, I don't I don't want to completely echo what Jack said, but yeah, I was, you know, I was the big kid that always got bullied, that always got picked on. I was the, it wasn't. It's really strange. I was the kid that was kind of like the challenge. Oh, let's, you know, let's go pick on Ethan today because yeah. he's at, at, what, 12, 13 years old. I was six foot three. I was full grown. I was a full grown man uh, or a boy in a, in a man's body at, at six foot three. So yeah. I'm walking around school sticking out like a sore thumb. And then, of course, I weighed what I weighed, sticking out even more. So it was kind of like, you know. There was, there was, I remember there was one day in, in elementary school, there were these six guys that decided that they were just going to like jump all over me and climb me like a, like a jungle gym, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, which to me at that point, I looked at as an attack. Uh, but it, in hindsight, it actually wasn't. But as far as emotions go, yeah, like I, I never felt like I could share what I was feeling, um, even though like I felt a lot. Like I felt a lot when I was younger and there was really no, constructive way to to talk about that yeah and i know for me for me i grew up in a in a household where like it was like you couldn't you couldn't talk about emotions like you couldn't share it you couldn't do any of that stuff so 
Um, like I, I, I used to stay with grandparents and stuff all the time because uh, my parents worked. And a lot of times I was with cousins a lot. And, you know, if I cried, then they would give me so much shit for it. So, like, it yeah. – I, I just I just didn't like I never really showed emotion. I tried not to, but you know I naturally am just like a sensitive person. So I'll just tell you how I feel. And I know like growing up now, like, I mean growing up like as I'm older, like I kind of hide that stuff. Um, but for the most part, like I just I was just a very sensitive person, and I, I'm like much different than I'm now. Like before, like I. I used to cry like out in the open. Now I just kind of hide it, but I'm still I'm still like an emotional person though. So you found from from what it sounds like you almost went backwards. Where... Yeah, I went. I, yeah, I went the opposite direction. So instead of like right. keeping it open, like I closed up. Okay, I mean it's it it was a defense mechanism from what it sounds like. So that's definitely fair. Yeah. So, um, what um uh, so what um. How do you guys show emotion now, like compared to then? Like, how do y'all deal with emotions now? <clears throat> so, like, I know for me, I am. I've adopted full transparency with mm-hmm. how I feel, and even if it's not the prettiest, you know, um, that helps me. And, and the reason I do that is because I like to show people that life isn't all. It's not always success. It's not always amazing. There's hurdles. There's peaks and valleys. You know, there's there's things that you're going to have that challenge you. And so, yeah. I mean, you you know this from following me for a while. Like, I'll, if I'm having a struggle, I'll post it out there and, yeah. and tell people. You know, I'll call up a friend. I'll call up someone and just vent and let it go. Um, you know, I don't I don't tend to go out in public and just cry. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if I, if, I, if I need to shed some tears for something, I'll, you know, I'll go journal and shed some tears or I'll... Yeah have a deep conversation and let it go with someone that I really trust. Um, sometimes music's a very big help. You know, maybe I just need to listen to some music. Um, journaling is something that I struggle with because I'll start and then I'll kind of taper off. So mm-hmm. it's finding that consistency in it because it's, it's pretty therapeutic. Um, and, and then even in recent times, I, you know, and it's something I can admit, I, you know, we have like an employee assistance program at work and, I've signed up to have a couple of sessions with a therapist just just to yeah. talk and get stuff out there, you know. And, you know, I was very skeptical at first. I was really scared of what people would think. And <laughs> I talked to um, some people I'm really close with. Um, you know, I talked to Amanda. I talked to my dad. And come to find out, my dad actually went and talked to a therapist at, at one point. And I had no idea. My dad's one of the strongest men that I know. Yeah. So, you know, it's just finding those different ways and, and being able to admit that, we're not perfect and that we can have moments of vulnerability and we need to just get it out there. I think it shows more strength to admit that than to hide it. Yeah. What about you, Ethan? 150%. (laughs) You know, one of the things, one of the things that you said was that your dad's one of the strongest people that you know. And like one of the messages that I try to get across is that it takes so much more strength to ask for help than it does to sit there and be miserable and be quiet and to try and go through it, even though in our minds, because it's something that I'm still dealing with in certain aspects of my life, in our minds, we're sitting there going, well, if I can get through this, that means I'm strong. I can do this on my own because I'm strong. When in reality, man, being that vulnerable to be able to ask for help is huge. Um, But yeah, I've definitely adopted the uh, painful transparency, uh, a state of mind when it comes to um, Instagram, when it comes to my podcast, when it comes to, and that's, it's something that I'm working on 
in my out of Instagram life, in my 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 real life, quote unquote, uh, which I don't like to call it because I like to keep Instagram as real as I well, as I do. Yeah. Um, the the biggest difference is that I don't really have many friends uh, near me. At least I've got my my handful that I keep. Um, but yeah, like so, there have been times where I will my my big catharsis uh, is the gym. Like if I'm angry, if I'm happy, if I'm sad, or if I just am feeling a bunch of stuff that I don't know how how to process, I'll go to the gym, I'll put my headphones on, and I'll just beat the crap out of the weights. Um, and I find that more often than not, halfway through that lift, um, you know, things start to start to make sense. You get the there's the uh, science behind it. You get the endorphin rush, and you can start to think a little clearer um, and sort everything out. But then there's also just the the aspect of doing something for for me, the gym is a huge catharsis because it's doing something that I never thought I'd be able to do. Yeah, um, and that reminds me that in those moments of uh, emotion, heavy emotion, no matter what it is, good or bad, uh, that I can get through it um, in the same way that I get through every lift. You know, because yeah. I, I had this experience the other day, which I'm still recovering from, where I did a really, really heavy and really stupid leg day after not doing legs for three months. <laughs> Just dumb idea. Um, but I got under some weight that like I was looking at it. It was me and my buddy, Matt. We were just going back and forth, back and forth, adding weight. And I'm looking at this weight and I'm thinking, I don't actually think I can pick it up. Like, I don't physically think I can do it. And then I picked up the weight. I got underneath it and I moved it. And there's something so um, like I was so overwhelmed emotionally, not just physically, but emotionally that, you know, that task was completed. Um, so a big way that I, that I work through and experience emotion, uh, is, is the gym. It's not just for, uh, changing my body composition, but also working through things in my mind. Yeah. And I think my, my process of dealing with emotions is a combination of both of y'all. Um, because like I said, I keep a lot of stuff in, so I do a lot of journaling. Um, I just recently just started therapy just because I needed something from a professional's opinion, um, just because I've went through a lot of stuff in the last couple of years. So, like, I just wanted a professional's opinion. But for the most part, like, I do a lot of journaling and I do a lot of, like, internal stuff. I, I just don't share emotions other than, like, I'll be vulnerable on the Instagram post every now and then. But for the most part, I just journal or meditate or something like that or talk to a close friend or listen to music or, like, like Ethan said, go to the gym um, for some kind of therapeutic, you know, release so I think that's just the way I operate um, I'm just not open like most people on Instagram who just share everything I just kind of share bits and pieces um, but I'm also not like overly negative I'm also not overly positive I try to kind of have a mix between the two so yeah well I think um, you know we're talking about journaling I don't actually do a physical journal like I've tried writing things down mm -hmm. one my handwriting is horrible so I'll go back to try and read it and I'll be like uh <laughs> what but then also there's the you know I think I think the term journaling for me Instagram is my journal yeah you know what okay. I mean yeah like, a lot of people use that too as their journal right yeah. you know there's that tool of being able to go back and look at the archived stories because um I story a lot um, <laughs> Mr. Microdot, King Microdot, thank you very much. <laughs> um, 
But then there's also just like uh, what I what I've tried to do is I try to grab snapshots of moments in time to put on my main page, yeah. and then my story is usually my day to day. So being able to go back and look a year ago, uh, I think it goes back like a year and three months. Uh, being able to look back and see what I was doing then, and I talked about this a while ago. It's like watching a TV show for the third time where you already know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, because like there was a, there was a time. Um, this time last year, I was in the middle of a pretty dark depression, um, 2018, yeah, uh, give or take. So I can go back and I can watch my stories, um, and I can go, oh, yeah, I know what's about to happen. Like, I know what, what this guy is about to go through, and I can just, you know. So, yeah, for me, Instagram is more of a journal than actually journaling. I like that. You know, I probably I, – because I share stuff on my stories. That's usually where I share most of the vulnerable stuff, um, sometimes on a post here and there. But I actually like that idea because you can add a picture to the words too, which gives you more context, gives it a little bit more color too. So I actually like that idea. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, really I did, knows. I did that at one point too. Like I was like when I did my first weight loss journey. Like I was like you could see everything, like from beginning to end. Yeah. And then there's also you know you can look at you can look at the physical appearance as well. Okay, this is what was going on for me. I can go. This is what was going on in my mind, and this is where I was physically. Yeah. Um, which I can then take that with the information that I have on my scale, which automatic automatically logs it into my phone, and I can compare and go. Okay, this is what was going on. This is where I was mentally. Um, so for me, it's you know, it's it's a journal in the sense of the cathartic aspect of having a journal, but then it's also a journal in the sense of tracking my highs and lows, which is also really cool. Yeah. I love that because you can paint a correlation between that emotion and maybe even the physical part to say, hey, you know, exactly. when, I'm, when I'm great, I'm, I'm, I'm killing it. Or when I'm not, mm-hmm. I may struggle. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. And this is why I had Ethan on. Because <laughs> <laughs> he brings it. So um, so for your, for, your, for your friends who are like guys, do y'all see that same kind of issue with them, like showing emotion? Like, they, are they kind of closed off too? Oh yeah, um, you know the, the the sad part is I don't have many male friends that I can actually go to and talk about emotional things. Yeah. Um, and as sad as it is, like as close as I am with my dad, I mean, you know, I gotta always call my mom, and my dad will just sit there in the background and let me and my mom hammer it out, and then she's just like, "Well, you just here, call your dad." And I think it's been like the past year or two that I really learned that my dad did have emotion like he's just a man of few words yeah so you know just old school strong military guy you know and as of the past two years or so i've just the, the amount that he's opened up and the amount that we've discussed and connected on the emotional level which i'm not saying we never were connected on the emotional level i always go to my dad or whatever but mm-hmm. just that he shares some of those things and like I, I don't know why you always go to your mom you know maybe it's because my mom's overly emotional and maybe yeah. that's why i always did you know, I never wanted to, hey, Dad, I don't want to bother you with this, but I will call him about other stuff. Um, it's funny because they sit in the same room. They just listen to each other <laughs> talk to me. It's like, why don't you just put me on speakerphone and talk to me, Mom and Dad? Okay. Um, so that that's the struggle there. Um, I feel like as some of my male friends that I've had for a long time get older, they can talk about these things yeah. because I think some of it's starting to normalize because we have these conversations. Yeah. Because people are opening up. As you open up, you kind of make other people feel comfortable. Um, you know, 
like in a, in a room, if you're in a group setting and someone has a question and they don't want to ask it, but someone else does, and they're like, oh, you know, I had that question too. Mm-hmm. Same, same concept. Mm-hmm. Hey, I Absolutely. have these emotions that I'm dealing with. Well, hey, these guys are talking about it. These guys are strong and they kick ass at life. And hey, maybe I should start chiming up. Like, hey, I have some some emotional things I want to talk about. Yeah. Like, I would love to show my emotion. So I think it's one of those things. Um, just, just kind of getting it out there will help other people and it'll become more normal for people. Yeah. What about you, Ethan? So the the two closest guys that I have in my life right now are my father and my older brother. Um, I call him my older brother, but he's my best friend. Um, so my father and I, you know, we have there there's there's a very interesting rift in our family in that uh, we went through a lot with my biological mother, um, and then my father and I. We don't really see eye to eye on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't work well together. So usually it's, you know, we're both very stubborn headed. We both think we're right about a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so we butt heads a lot. But every once in a while, like we were just having a conversation the other day, every once in a while we can sit down and have a really constructive conversation about each other and what we see in each other and where we are in life. Um, and, you know, him, the more I learn about my bipolar disorder and the more I educate, um, about my bipolar disorder, the more he's understanding it. One of the, one of the most awkward conversations that we have every once in a while is he'll just do this thing where he goes, hey man, you going dark? It kind of seems like you're going dark. And I'll go, no, I think I'm just having a crappy day. You know, which that little thing, it doesn't seem like a lot, but in between he and I is huge, you know, yeah. because there's that level of, for a while, for, the majority of my life, he didn't understand what was going on. I didn't understand what was going on. So, like, there was that. We didn't really have that emotional connection. So, um, the more that I do stuff like this, the uh, the better that I find that my father's emotional connection and I uh, is is getting. And then, as far as my older brother, you know, he he knows my signs. He knows my tells. He checks on me every once in a while. I check on him as often as I can. Um, but yeah, in the same sense, like they both. You know, my father is is of the generation of you know men don't don't show their emotions. Yep. I don't know, Jack. How old are you? Thirty seven. Yep. Uh, Willie, how old are you? Thirty nine. Okay, so I'm the young pup here. I'm twenty eight this year, <laughs> but we're still kind of we're, we're still we're still kind of in that in that transition generation where we I, I believe that our generation is going to be the stepping stone into. Um, it being okay for men to talk about things like this, but our father's generation and their father's generation was definitely the, and Jack with your dad being in the military was definitely like men don't cry. You know, if you're sad, turn it into anger because men don't get sad kind of thing. Um, so my older brother is kind of that way. Um, he, he still kind of struggles with, with his emotion and my father's been getting much, much, much better, uh, with that but he still kind of experiences his emotion in the background. But one of the things that I did, it was hmm, four or five months ago, back when I was still working at Chili's, I decided uh, because I was doing some research on suicide in America, and suicide is one of those topics where you talk about it and people just kind of clam up because you're not Mm -hmm. supposed to talk Mm -hmm. about it. So I had, uh, it was myself and three other guys in the kitchen um, so I just randomly spouted out, I went, Hey, do you guys know that 800, uh, thou- according to the CDC from 2018, 800,000 men, uh, worldwide killed themselves last year or not men. I'm sorry. It's sorry. People killed themselves last year. I forgot the exact statistics, but, 
uh, it's four times more men than women. Yeah. And the looks on their faces, they just clammed up. Uh, one of the guys goes, yeah, it'd be more if they weren't such pussies, which was a wow. defense mechanism. Wow. He made, he made a joke as a defense mechanism, right? One of the other guys goes, what the hell? Like, what? Like, just got so uncomfortable. And then the third guy, which is really cool. It was a really cool experience. Um, he pulled me into the walk-in freezer, and he was like, dude, like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, of course I'm okay. I just wanted to, you know, that's something that I'm researching right now, something that I found interesting. And I'm actually running an experiment right now. He goes, okay, I just want to make sure that you're okay. Yeah. So, like, the wild thing is, I could look in the other two guys' eyes, and I've known them for a while. And I know for a fact. Like, I know for a fact just from knowing them as well as I do, they've thought about killing themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the two that got really, really uncomfortable had thought about killing themselves before. Like, I guarantee it. We yeah. never had that conversation, but I promise you they have. The third guy... Like, I'm still not sure. I don't think he ever had. So his his initial reaction was, oh, maybe there's something wrong with you. The other two guys, it was, nope, time to clam up. We can't talk about that. We're not supposed to talk about that. That makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to talk about it. Let's make a joke. Yeah. You know, so it was it was a really wild moment for me to see, uh, you know, the hypothesis that I had come to fruition where – the uncomfortable things that I want to talk about and that we want to talk about to make them make them normal to try and actually fix them, you know, just how in that small setting made made them so uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's maybe because they felt attacked when you were not attacking them, but exactly hey, he's he's touching on something that's really near and dear to me, but I can't say it because I don't want to right. look that as less of a man and. You know, that's something I struggle with, hell, probably until I turn 35, 36. Like, mm-hmm. like you said earlier, turn it into anger, turn it into fuel. Mm-hmm. You know, use it to excel your career. Use it to go to the gym. Use it for something else. Like, repurpose that that negative energy. And, you know, it wasn't until I just really realized it got, it's so detrimental to yourself because you start thinking negative thoughts. You know, those negative thoughts can turn into insecurities. Those insecurities can turn into, I mean, frustration. I mean, it just, it's, yeah. it's a snowball effect. And so as you start getting these feelings out and you express it to people, you'll be shocked at the amount of people that actually will communicate back to you. Like I always say, some of the strongest men are the expressive ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I completely agree. Mm-hmm. So for, I know for me, um, like me and my dad weren't close. Like I think <laughs> at, one, I like one, at one point, like I, I moved to get away from my dad. And this was in my 20s. So like I... We just never had the best relationship. Like I, I'm like super close to my mom. Like we're, I'm close to both of them now. But like before, I was just never close to my, my dad at all because he, it was it was always an argument argument about something, and it just got to the point where I just got angry. Like I had all this anger because like we would argue about the dumbest things, and so like I got to the point where I was like I have to get out of here because there's no way I'm gonna stay here and deal with this. So I moved away. Like I, you know I moved to Texas. So like. Our relationship is way better now. Um, you know, he you know, I've forgiven him for all the stuff that he's done. Like the, a lot of the, the issues were because he put that anger on me versus my sister. Because I have a I have a half sister who's seven years older than me, so I think his frustration with her he put it on me, and mm-hmm. I just I just couldn't take it. So like I just left. Um, like I said, our relationship is way better now. Um, we actually talk and all that stuff. But like he's never he's never been the kind of person that, that cries or anything like that. Like he doesn't show emotion at all. Like 
And my mom told me this too. Like he, he just doesn't show emotion at all. Like he, he's better now than he was before, but he's, he, he just never showed emotion at all. And then like, I, I have friends who just don't, don't show emotion at all. Like they just don't, you see it in anger versus anything else. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's just wild to me that if, if you have an issue, just, you know, talk, talk it out instead of just being like angry about and like angry about it. And I've had to like really deal with anger um, now because I have a, you know, I have a three-year-old. So like I'm super impatient with her and I'm, I'm trying to get better about it, but like, I know I'm impatient. So that's something I'm still working on. So it's just like a lot of that stuff that built on for my dad is still there, but it's, it's getting better. You know, the funny thing is thinking about the whole, do you have any friends or, or men that show emotion is, mm-hmm. you know, one of the hardest things for men to say to each other, if you're really close, is I love you. 100%. Yes. Literally. Oh <laughs> it wasn't. So I have I have a handful of best friends. Um, and I can say, as we gotten older <laughs> into our 30s, they have started to tell me like, hey, you know, I, I love you. I'm like, yeah. I love you too, man. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, you know, it's just so crazy to me to, to think that. It's just like, wh- why was it that way, you know? Because you can say it to your mom, any 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 woman, you know, that's family or that you're close yep. with, but it just, it's like an unspoken thing with men that you just, you don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just one of the funny things to think about when you think about men and showing emotion, because that's just something that's just like, yo, I mean, you're my bro. You've been my best friend for 20 years. Yeah. Like, obviously, I love you. You know what I mean? Like, so... I think so. I think a lot of it is just the the vulnerability aspect. Like yeah. I think, I think getting away from the societal idea that men aren't supposed to have emotion or men aren't supposed to show show emotion. I think it's just it's freaking terrifying to be that vulnerable. You know what I mean? Like so for me, one of the things that I'm working on, one of the conversations that I just had with my dad the other day was understanding emotion and uh, appropriately enough understanding emotion and where and how much to place it so i have a pet snake and unfortunately there were some complications with the food that i got and she ended up passing away she mm-hmm. ended up dying um so you know my parents initial reaction was oh my gosh i'm so sorry da, 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 da. and i was like guys calm down it's not like that the snake isn't a sentient being the snake had no idea who i was it was a cool thing to have mm-hmm. it was more of a thing to have there was no emotion there whereas if my cat were to die tomorrow I'd be a freaking wreck. I would be a wreck. So the conversation that I have with my dad is is the emotion and understanding where to place it and how much to place it and what is appropriate and what isn't. So I think that just that whole idea of being vulnerable enough to say I love you to, to another guy, um, yeah, like that makes you vulnerable. Like that makes you really, really vulnerable. At least for me, that's like that's me opening up. Like it takes mm-hmm. – especially now that I've built the, I don't want to say defense mechanisms, but that's what they are. Now that I've built the defense mechanisms that I have around my emotion, um, it takes a lot for me to open up like that. Um, like I can be, I can be painfully transparent about what's going on in my head about how I'm feeling, but then to actually give someone emotion to actually give someone a part of me, which is what I think emotion is like, that's mm -mm, nope, that's scary. No, thank you. So I, I think, you know, getting more into just the, the vulnerability aspect and less than the societal aspect, like it's just, it's terrifying to, um, 
to be that vulnerable because I also think it goes back to, you know, I know me personally, I don't have a healthy relationship with rejection. I still don't to this day. And that's something that I'm working on. And I think that a lot of men don't have a healthy relationship with rejection. No, no. So there's, <laughs> right, exactly. So there's that fear of, yeah, we may, we may have been best friends for 10 years, but like, what if you don't say it back? Like, what if, what if you don't feel the same way? Like, you know, it's, it's no different than, in my opinion, it's no different than than taking that leap and showing emotion with uh, in a romantic relationship. It, emotion is emotion, whether it is a platonic, like me and my best friend, my brother, I call him, like I love him to death. And we, we tell each other we love each other every time we see each other. Yeah. But it took us a good seven years before that moment was comfortable. Yep. You know, because that's it's just being vulnerable. So. No, I, to- I totally get that because I don't, I don't, I don't have any best friends that I've actually said I love you to. I, I can, I can, I'm thinking about it now. I'm like, I just don't think I've ever said that. And it's, I don't think it's on my part. I think, like you said, it's, it's about rejection. So mm-hmm. I, I think I just hadn't said it because I just don't want to feel rejected. Because, you know, if you said that to another guy, they'll be like, what, what's that all about? Like, what, why, why are you saying that? So, like, I just right. think I just haven't said it for that reason. Um, and I just know my parents, like my mom didn't start saying, I love you to me until like my thirties, like that I can really think about like, I really? Know, yeah. Wow. That I can first remember. I don't think she's ever said it until like my early thirties. So, <laughs> and my dad's never said it. So like, I just, I know that this seems very weird, but it, that's just the reality of the situation. So for you, does it does it almost feel like because I know I know that I think the word love is overused in in today's day and age. Do you feel like because that was something that was that was never really given to you at a younger age, that the word love or that sentiment doesn't hold that much to you? Um, I think I'm a hopeless romantic. So, like, I think that it does to me, but I think just not hearing it from somebody that you're like super close to. It, that you just like kind of shut down because like you, you just never hear that from like a parent or anything so you're just like that's very strange any time I can think of like I've never heard her, her or him say that word to me so like it's just very strange interesting do, do you, you know that... go ahead go, go ahead Jack go ahead well I know you said that the relationship was a little rocky do you feel like they were scared you would reject them Possibly. if they said it early Possibly. on, and so you repair that relationship. So maybe they were scared to say it. Maybe it was there, but they just were scared because they feared that rejection, which goes back to the vulnerability thing. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think that yeah. that the relationship was so rocky. Like the the relationship between me and my mom wasn't rocky. It was right. the relationship between my, me and my dad. But I think she just never said it until recently, just because I think she felt like she needed to say it. Because now she says it every time I talk to her on the phone. So, like, it's it's way different now than it was before. But I think it's just maybe just because it was so rocky between me and my dad, maybe she just didn't want to say it. Yeah. But that's, that's like, like like I said, the first time I can really think that she said it was, like, in, in the past 10 years. Do you remember what that moment was like for you? Uh, very strange. Mm. Very strange. Because I was like, it threw me off for a second. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Right. But I think it took me leaving Tennessee and coming here to Texas. I think that it took that for that all to shake out. 
mm-hmm. that that distance between what this was and what this is now. Like I think it it I, it needed that distance. And I think that helped you know the relationship to go a little bit further. You know, sometimes people see things like that as it's an unspoken thing. It's it's just you just know I love you. Yeah. And sometimes people are just afraid to be expressive about it. Um, like the whole guy to guy thing. Like we know, you know, you know, they love each other, but yeah. maybe it's just implied because you're my son or, you know, so yeah, you know, there's a, little, a couple different things that could go into it. I mean, I, I mean, my mom always told me she loved me. My dad, I know he loved me. He, he would tell me sometimes, but he didn't say it as often back then as he does now. Yeah. I think, you know, it's just, you get older and, you know, and so no, I mean, I, I knew they loved me. I think they just couldn't right. say it. I think that's just the, yeah. the difference of it. Well, and that brings up the question that I was going to ask earlier. Uh, do you know what your love language is? Uh, Forgot mine. Mine's touch. Is it? Okay, that makes sense. So did you find that your uh, that your parents showed you love and affection through, or your mother at least, through touch? Yeah. Definitely. Okay, so that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. makes a lot more sense. And Jack, you said you forgot what yours was? I think mine was, uh, is it? Where the experiences are showing, or I can't remember how it's phrased. I took quality, quality time, quality time. There it is. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm physical touch as well. But I think, see, I haven't taken. I have this. I, I've got a lot of hypotheses. Uh, if you guys don't know that, uh, but I took that quiz probably like five or six years ago, and I want to take it again to see if my love language has changed because I think that's one of those things that is as mercurial uh, as the rest of us are. Um, or the rest of, of who we are is, you know, we all change throughout life. We're all yeah. different people. So I've, I've always been curious to see if that has changed with the emotional work that I've done to myself. Yeah. I'd be curious to see those results if it does. I'm curious to see if that shifts. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you, what do you think about, um, I had this, this idea in my head, but what do you think about where, what society th- thought of men back in like the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and what they think about men now. Because, you know, back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, it was like the tough guy. Like, you couldn't show emotion. You're like, I'm the stoic guy who, you know, shows no emotion on, on his face. And now it's, I don't know if that's really changed. I think it's better, but I don't know if it's changed a lot. Um, like back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, of course. I mean, I guess unless you're a hippie of some sort, you know, it was you're allowed, <laughs> you know. But um, as far as overall, it was yeah, tough guy. Go, go fight in the war. Go, don't show emotion. Nothing matters. Provide, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. Now I feel like that's still the case for the most part. But I think things like Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. And um, Anthony Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain. I mean, mm-hmm. just some of those things have started some of those conversations and opened folks' eyes that hey, some of these people that do the most wonderful things for the world are some of the most unhappiest. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why is that? And it's because society puts the pressure on men to yeah. say, hey, you can't show emotion. Um, you're not supposed to show emotion. You're supposed to be the backbone. You're supposed to be strong. You're supposed to be the provider. And I mean, honestly, that's bullshit. Honestly, like, like yeah. as far as a family, like, hey, partner, 50-50, let's, let's do this. You know what I mean? It, you're allowed to show emotion. You should talk about things because that makes things more clear. Um, and then and even as, a, as a, a black man in America, you know, growing up, you're supposed to be strong as well. Like another yeah. layer of strong because 
hey, don't, don't, don't be that punk. Don't, you know what I mean? Like, there's just that, that yeah. undertone. So, it's it's crazy the amount that we let society control how we feel and how we display our emotion to everybody else. Um, because sometimes you'll be cast away, but you know, as I've been more vulnerable and sharing more things the past couple of years on Instagram, I, I was shocked at the amount of people that have related to me and reached out and, and the men like Willie, you've reached out to me several times. Yeah. We've had conversations about things I've posted or, you know, things you've posted as well. And it's just crazy. It's like, why do we keep it so bottled up? And it's like, we don't want to be seen as quote unquote weak. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'll kind of throw myself under the bus sometimes, you know, because we're having a vulnerable conversation. Like, there's times when I say things and I'm like, man, I feel weak. I feel like a punk. And then I have to step back and, and kind of look at it from a more objective lens. Like, you know what? No. The fact that I can say this and admit it and own up to every single thing shows that I'm strong. Yeah. So I think there's I think there's been a, a lot more change than... You know, it's it's that it's that grand scale versus microscope kind of idea. Um, I see myself on a day to day when it comes to my weight loss, so I don't see a lot of my weight loss. But if you were to look at a picture from me from ten years ago, it'd be a huge change. Yeah. So I think uh, it's that whole idea. I think there's been a lot more change with men in society than than we're realizing. You know, 50s, 60s, 70s. Um, as a man, you know, if 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 you were gay, you'd be you'd be killed. Like yeah. it just it just yeah. it wasn't a thing. It just wasn't a thing. Um, yeah, you went to war. You provided. You you know you got married at as young as you could. You have kids. Um, it was very cookie cutter. You know these are the rules. This is what you're going yeah. to do. You know we're now living in a day and age where there are stay at home dads. Like that would have never happened yeah. before. Yeah, we're li- we're living in a world where men are openly gay and are getting married, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. We're yeah. living in a world where um you know where we are having this conversation right now this conversation would have never happened in the 50s 60s and 70s you know it's this idea that uh you know men according to society men don't feel emotion in the 50s 60s and 70s but behind closed doors i promise you there were men bawling their eyes out exactly oh yeah so like i think i i think as far as like humans have we changed? No. But I think what is acceptable in society, openly in society, has changed a lot and for the better, um, which then gives gives men specifically because, well, I think women understand this as well, but men specifically, the opportunity to learn that emotions are tools. I think, I think that's what a lot of people don't understand is that our emotions are tools um, to use to help navigate through life. So as far as, you know, then compared to now, I think there's a big difference i think if you think of the idea of the ripple effect we are uh in the middle of one of those ripples we are currently moving out towards uh, a better uh way of of being and living i think there's as far as men in society go i actually think there's been a lot of change and a lot of growth uh since the 50s 60s and 70s yeah no i totally agree with that because i just think that i Like, my dad grew up on, like, cowboy movies and, like, war movies and stuff like that. So, like, I saw, like, that portrayal of men. And then now I see, like, a way different portrayal of men, like, in just in media alone and just in society. Like, it's it's not 100% where it, I think it's going to be yet, but I think it's getting there. Um, 
especially like having these conversations, like you said, and more men going to therapy uh, instead of like mm. feeling like they can't do that. Um, or, or just like, um, yeah, I, I just think it's, it's getting better. I, I think that it's just going to take more time because there's still, there's still a lot of men who are in that same old, like, um, circle that, that goes around and around like about you have to be tough and you can't show emotion and stuff like that. There's still those kind of people out there. And I think it's just going to take a lot more chipping away at that before it's like a hundred percent, a hundred times better. I think in, I think in some aspect, the ideas of the, of the older generation where we are honestly just going to have to let time play itself yeah, out. Exactly. Because yeah. I, I feel like as the older generation dies off, the ideas are going to die off with them. Yeah. Because I wonder like, how much of it is regional too. Um, mm, you know, because certain environments, you know, you're a product of your environment, certain environments you have to be, I guess, tougher to think you have to survive in. So, so think of Chicago versus like LA or, yeah. or, or something like that. You know, it's going to be a whole totally different ball game. So it's like, how do you get to some of those different areas that are tougher to, to, to kind of, to get that message across, you know. So well, I don't know. I grew up in the South, so I <laughs> I know those those <laughs> right. are still that that's never gonna look. It's gonna take a long time yeah. for that to really die off. Because yeah. in the South, it's way different than anywhere else I've yeah. ever been. So Ethan knows. He's, think, from, he's from Florida, so he knows. I've actually the furthest away from Florida I've ever been was uh, the northern tip of Georgia, I think. Yeah. So like, I haven't done much traveling. So for me. You know, my my exposure to culture has come from from the internet. It's come from Instagram. It's come from you know the friends that I've made all literally all over the world, which is really really cool. But like I've never had firsthand experience at what Chicago looks or feels like. I've never walked down the road in Chicago and you know been on <laughs> been uncomfortable. I don't know. I don't know what that feels like. I've been several times. So yeah, I have family up that way. But uh, it's just one of those things. I mean, conversations like this over a virtual network. These are ways that you can reach that. I mean, yeah. maybe hell have have some type of seminar or something. Like you know, you just have to get someone that has that dream mm-hmm. and to go implant that into that that area. I mean, if you have a seminar and you kind of keep it, I don't say you have to keep it on the down low, but have a seminar and say this is confidential. Everybody's welcome. You never know who the hell will walk through that door and share some of the most painful things. That I mean, you know, like I think a lot of violence across America stems from people not showing their emotion. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. I mean. It's like all bottled up, and so it's got to come out somehow. Absolutely. Uh, I witnessed firsthand experience, um, just road rage. Like It was something as simple as road rage. Um, It went from zero to 60 in the blink of an eye. And I knew one of the people involved, and I was like, yeah, of course that's how it's going to end. Like, that person feels all these things and has all this frustration and has all this anger and sadness and doesn't know what to do with it. So, yep, the first person that uh, that flicks him off and, and calls him a douche, he's just going to jump on. And that's basically what happened. So, yeah, I completely agree with that. I think some of it, too, is people just want someone to listen to them and to understand them. And we're so busy and yep. a lot of people want to be able to get their feelings out, but in return, reciprocate, listen to someone else. You never know. That can go a long way for someone else. And it, it, I mean, it's all, it's just, it's such a multifaceted thing to, for emotions and to make people feel comfortable. So, I mean, there's a lot of work to be done, but I think you, like Willie, you even wanted to have this conversation is huge. Like that type of work 
to help and to put it out there is amazing. Well, it stemmed from the both of y'all. So, <laughs> I mean, I get it now. Like the, the first message you sent us in the group chat was, I want to have a podcast on emotion. And I thought of you two. And like I said, I don't know much about Jack, but like one of the things that you brought up was Robin Williams. And the, so the basis uh, for the idea for my podcast was Robin Williams, Anthony Bourdain and Heath Ledger. Like you said, they are three people that in their own way did absolutely everything they could to make the world a better place. When in reality, behind closed doors, they were suffering with their own demons that unfortunately won. So my whole idea was, what if they had a space? What if they had a space where they were comfortable enough to be vulnerable, to talk about those things, to talk about the demons and to get help? Um, You know, the one, they could still be here. uh, But two, you know they themselves being being as big of voices as they were could make a huge impact. Sometimes I feel like, you know, us little guys can't make a big impact, but in reality we can. Um, but bringing, bringing light to the fact that these were three, three guys that, like I said, in their own way, tried to make the people around them as happy as possible were, were themselves miserable, devastatingly miserable. Like, I I don't think enough people talk about that. Yeah, I agree. And so, what do you think that people can do to kind of bridge that gap? Talk. Yeah, be honest. Just talk. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. Like, don't be afraid. A... The, the art of conversation is so lost, and the the power of a conversation can go so far. Yeah. I mean, it's as simple as that. You know. I mean, that's, that's the simple way I can put it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about it. You know, one <laughs> of the. <laughs> Love it. Shameless plug. One of the things, you know, one of the things that I talk about on Instagram is I, I the painful transparency that that whole thing comes from the one or two people that send me messages. Hey, you know, like there, so there's a highlight on my page where I talk about what what my bipolar disorder feels like, what my depressions feel like, what my darkness feels like. And because of that highlight, I've had multiple people reach out and go, oh, my gosh, I'm not alone. Like, wow. you you put into words exactly what I've been experiencing yeah. my entire life. And the fact that I'm not alone, the fact that there's someone else out there that, that gets it um, is huge. So, like, that's, like, that's why I do what I do. I don't, I don't do it for fame. I don't do it for fortune because I promise you I'm still broke as a joke. Um, uh, I do it for the, the one or two people, like – the one or two people that actually makes a difference like that's so yeah talking like literally just talking uh instead of hiding the uncomfortableness like just being open and honest about being uncomfortable because one for me having those people come to me and go i'm not alone uh has done more for me in my journey than than i think they realize but two it helps them so it's it's definitely a symbiotic relationship when it comes to stuff like that that's huge because they felt alone and now they feel connected to someone else, you know, and, and not being morbid, but you could have saved two lives. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's amazing. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I don't have anything else to say. You guys pretty much wrapped it up for me. Um, but I really appreciate y'all coming on um, and just having this conversation. Like I said, I had no clue where this was going to go. Um, but I just want to have a conversation about just emotion and men because I, I, I feel like it's not talked about enough. So I just think that 
having the, these kind of conversations are just good for that that to go in a in a in a forward position. Like it just it, it pushes the the needle forward. I, I appreciate it. This is a profound conversation. Like this was amazing. This is one of the best podcast talks I've had in a long time. So I'm definitely here for it. It was definitely a, a good way to get to know you, Jack, to get an introduction to to who you Me too. are. I've listened to all your podcasts. I just not <laughs> said anything to you. Because uh, I had Amanda tell me about you, and then um, Willie told me about you. So yeah. I went, and one day I was at work. I literally listened to all of them. I worked that day. So you do great stuff. I, like, I enjoyed it. Like, I couldn't stop listening. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. I'm definitely going to have to have you on because, you know, I feel like you and I could talk for hours. Yeah. Who, forget for, Willie who? For, forget about it. <laughs> I want to thank both Ethan and Jack for coming on and just having this like really thought provoking conversation with me about just men and emotions. And, uh, I really enjoyed this episode. Um, even as, even though this is like kind of the inaugural round table one, but like I, I enjoyed just having this sit down conversation with the, with the two of them and just kind of just sharing our experiences and sharing what we think and our opinions and stuff like that. So, um, <clears throat> like I said, I appreciate both of them for coming on. If you want to follow Jack on Instagram, you can follow Jack on Instagram at jackattack9182. If you want to follow Ethan on Instagram, you can follow Ethan on Instagram at depressed the number two determined, depressed to determine. If you want to follow me on Instagram, you can follow me on Instagram at Willie Gillis. If you have any questions, comments, concerns for the podcast, you can email me at what I live for podcast at gmail.com. And that's going to be it for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this this inaugural roundtable episode. I'm going to try to do these once a month. Uh, I think the next one is going to be about body image. Um, and and after we recorded this episode, um, Ethan said I should have three uh, three episodes about body image. Uh, <clears throat> I originally had planned just to do two: one on men, one on uh, body image for men, body image for women. And then Ethan said I should do a combination of the two um, with a mix of women and men on a last one. So uh, that's probably going to be the next three uh, episodes of this roundtable episode. So. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, This was something new and kind of out of the blue. And I reached out to both of them and they said they wanted to do it. So I hope you guys enjoyed it and I will see you next week.